everybody. It's Ben again. With Ken and Glenn. What's cooking today, Glenn? Well, we wanted to, uh, we've gotten some interns here at the History Center, and, and, and they've asked one question, which thought made me think that maybe where's we could the just exit talk. no <laughs> not the exit we don't tell them where the ex- they're <laughs> oh, <no>. interns <laughs> they're interns you know right. and and so they're like well you work in a museum and and believe it or not a lot of people do want to or think they want to work in a museum yes and you know they said well how did you get started in this how does one go into this line of work if you wanted to we have actually been uh, pretty fortunate with quite a few interns and uh people that are are very intelligent, who are serious about, you know, the genre and who, you know, do want to know what can you do with this major and where can I go? And, and, and also this may come as a surprise to some of you, but when you listen to us and we laugh a lot, we're kind of a fun crew here at the history center, kind of a fun place to work. And, and our interns like want to work here with us. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's 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 a pretty, you know, maybe I'm biased, but I think this is a pretty cool place to be. Uh, exactly. So, you know, and and if and, and so by extension, you know, you know, where do I get a job like what you guys have? Is basically what yeah. the, what the thing is. Uh, and that's a tough question to answer. Glenn and I have each had different ways of getting here. Mine far more circuitous than his. His is more of a straightforward narrative, so I'll let him jump in well, there. Although Glenn figures very prominently and the reason that I am in the biz. <laughs> right. um, you Calls know, jousting. Jousting. Joust, anyway. that's, the, that's the key. If you want any job anywhere, become Joust. a jouster. Become a jouster. <laughs> exactly. But, but you know, no, seriously. Uh, I, always, I had always loved history. From the time I was a kid, watching war movies and cowboy movies and history movies with my dad, and then I got a set of toy soldiers. And my mother, bless her heart, we were not by any stretch of the imagination and wealthy growing up one you could say that we were poor and poor mountain folk poor mountain folk and yet my mother never denied me a book that i wanted she would always try to find it cheap or used or something and, but and this is the days before, before amazon, amazon. Yes, this yes. Is well but so you know i saw a book and i would want it and she would get that book for me and i always read about history and as i Went through high school. I enjoyed my history classes. So when it was time to pick a college, I decided to go to Georgia Tech and become an engineer, obviously. <laughs> which which I did not enjoy, as it turns yeah. out. You so, enjoyed other things at Georgia I Tech, from what I understand. I enjoyed many other things at Georgia Tech, but, but history was... More I, the liquid nature. The liquid nature. I fa- I, and I did not fail out of Georgia Tech, but I left before I did, because I was well on my way. And I, I went back home, and I was like, you know, maybe I should just follow my passion, because... As many uh, recently graduated high schoolers do, they go back to their high school during their freshman year because it's a place to reach you and everything. And does it make us a loser? Maybe, but it <laughs> but it does kind of help with that transition, I think. So I was there talking about one of my favorite teachers, uh, Sandra Berlingame, and I was telling her, you know, oh, colleges. I just I didn't think that it was going to be like this, and I don't think I like math, and I just not what I want to do. She said, "Well, <laughs> what do you really want to do?" And I looked at her and I said, I want to be Indiana Jones. <laughs> Without laughing, she just looked at me and said, then do it. And I said, huh, okay. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was like, well. So you got a motorcycle. So I got, <laughs> you got, you got <laughs> a bullwhip. <laughs> I did get the You already hat. had the pistol. <laughs> I already had the pistol and the hat. Um, so I went back to school, went to North Georgia. I also spent a semester at Jacksonville State University going to school there but what that happened one of the reasons i did that was so that i could do some volunteer work at a local museum down the road from there the berman and then i went back to uh north georgia college 
and ended up getting my history degree from there. But in the meantime, I did an internship there. And I did an internship uh, for a summer where I was doing 50 hours a week because I loved it so much. There's a lesson for you, internees. Put in a lot of hours. Put in, yeah, <laughs> love it. You'll yeah. figure out if you like it doing you that internship. Will. You absolutely will. You will figure it out quick. You should volunteer first to make sure you do like it because if you don't, you're going to be trapped in a credit class that you're going to fail but I did that internship and I was there like I said 50 hours a week at least and loved it and got back and graduated and then once I graduated I knew I wanted to do something with history that was not teaching in a public school right (laughs) I mean just I'm nothing wrong with it it's just not for me right right so something with history that's not public school that kind of narrows it down to historic sites and museums so I was a good house husband for about six months while my wife actually made money doing her job. And then I got a call into a place I'd put in called the Atlanta History Center. And good old uh, Don Rooney came and uh, had me come in and interviewed me, and, and I ended up getting the job. And this I always tell people this. This is, sounds like a joke, but it's absolutely true. I got the job of Exhibits Tech because I was the only applicant who had both a college degree and an intimate knowledge of power tools because I knew how because of my dad and, and the renaissance man you right, got yeah mind and body I knew how to you know saw and cut and connect wood and right. things so I got the job there and I was I was at the Atlanta History Center from then on out I was exhibits tech and then exhibits manager and then curator of military history and you just and I was I was very lucky because I worked with a really good group of people there. They were always willing to let me help with something that wasn't within my job description, but they knew I wanted to right. learn. And so they always let me go back with them and, and do the things in collection storage and things like that. So uh, and well, some, Gordon, some really good Gordon, mentors. Gordon Jones, the uh, what is his title now? I think he's the military historian, right. something like yeah. that. Uh, but he, uh, I wouldn't necessarily say that he mentored you. No, I, I would. But okay, I good, was, good, 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 because that. that's what I wanted I to say, say but I wasn't going to say it for yeah. you. But yeah, but but you know, you were very, like you said, you were very fortunate in that. I, I well, you'll see that I know him for a reason later, but. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, like you said, coming in as what could really, if, if they were really strict about things, your exhibit technician, you should have had nothing to do with yeah. certain other aspects. Go but, change the light bulbs and, 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 and make get, this label. And, and go, yeah, and go back down to your shop cave. Yeah. You know? but, uh, but Gordon Jones specifically, uh, who is a magnificent historian, uh, has just recently finished the, uh, being in charge of the renovation of the multi-multi-million dollar cyclorama. Exhibit. And did a great job. Did a great job. You you hit it off with him. I did. And, and just personally, he was a good guy. But then also, he let you be involved in some things. Absolutely. And and there, you know, that's the thing. I could list so many people. You know, Susan Neal and Susan Neal and yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, just so many so many people taught me so much. And uh, and that's the key. If you if you want to do it, when you go somewhere, learn as much as you can. Don't just be, don't be satisfied with doing your job description. Do everything right, you can. Whether right. it's a, I was lucky that's a really to be in a, in a big space like the Atlanta History Center, it's easier to do that because there are broader specialty areas that you right. can pull from each one. So you can do the same thing in a smaller place too. But but learn everything you can. Take the initiative. And, and get to know these people. Right. And so so from, from the Atlanta History Center, obviously you came here to the Northeast Georgia History Center. Yes, I was I was uh, part of the Great Purge <laughs> of 06 when they had some money issues. And I was. And that's of, also a recurring theme in really, nonprofit <laughs> living history and museums. I, I was, I and, and 11 other people were laid off in one day. Right. And then I went and 
you know, quote, did consulting work, which I did contract exhibit installation, which I love. That's always one of the things I love the most. And then uh, they advertised here at the Northeast Georgia History Center in the local paper <laughs> for an executive director position. And one of my wife's coworkers was perusing the classifieds and said, hey, isn't your husband wanting a museum job? Here's one. <laughs> and I came and interviewed and almost 12 years later, here I sit. Woo-hoo. You know, you, you made a distinction a second ago between, you know, the Atlanta History Center, kind of a larger place, and then coming here to a smaller place. And, you know, and I came to see you shortly after you got that job. And I saw, you know, once again, this is nothing against the, the way this museum was at the time. It, it reflected the, the understanding of, of, of how it should be when it was built. But, Glenn, you know, you saw a lot of things that you wanted to change, you wanted to do differently. And you had the chance to do them. I mean, that's the thing. I, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, you, you had to do some work over the years, but that's one of the cool things about what you've got going on here is that, you know, you can affect change and make the exhibit better or bring in a new exhibit or, you know, things like that. Yeah. And, you know, a smaller, a smaller place has its disadvantages because sometimes it's harder to raise the funds. You don't have the staff to pull in and do all the different things, but you know what? You also have the flexibility to do what you want. <laughs> exactly. My, now, my, my, my director of education, Ken, will walk in and say, I'd like to do a program about the War of Jenkins' Ear. Right, right. And I'll look up and I'm like, that's okay. my favorite war about ears. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. And there's no committees. There's no exactly. run it past the board. There's no fill out this form and we'll consider it with the others. <laughs> Ken says, I want to do this. And I'm like, okay, we should also do that. Oh, that's yeah, a great idea. Exactly. But now, as you were describing your uh, your career and how you arrived at this, this August date, you did leave out a pretty important part, and that's working at the Georgia Renaissance Festival. That's right. That's right. So, uh, which was, you know. And also mention, what, what's the dynamic? Because I don't know this now that I think about it. You know, how you got into doing specifically, quote, reenacting, unquote, or living history. The, what, right. That, 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 aspect, that key that point. Axis, so, yeah. Because that's where, that's where you and I meet. While I was at Georgia Tech, <laughs> almost about to fail, I started taking a martial arts course. I, by with Niles Onsager. With, with, yeah, with, with, with Onsager, and he was in the joust, and I discovered this. I'm like, oh, I always wanted to do that. And he's like, yeah, I just come to tryouts. So I go to tryouts <laughs> and meet Mr. Henson, the owner of the joust, and in effect, the of rehearsals— course we call him Dave. Yeah, he's Dave now. Um <laughs> And he's like, well, so, okay, everybody wants to be a knight. You can't be a knight. You can be a squire. That means you run around and move stuff a lot. Here's here's what you got to do. Stand here and hold this four-inch ring in your hand while a horse runs by and spears it out with a guy on the back. Sometimes so, it will hit your hand. Sometimes. And, and so if you could stand there and let them spear a ring out of your hand while they run by you on a horse, in effect, you got the job. So right. I got the job. And so, long story short, I do the costume thing at Renaissance Festival, which is not very good history at all, but it's stuff. And then while I was there, I also started working at the Atlanta History right, Center. Right. And uh, good old Myers Brown started saying, he said, well, I've got these costumes and we do talks and programs. I'm like, really? That sounds awesome. Let me buy some of that stuff. <laughs> yes, so, let me start going into a lifetime of debt doing living history. <laughs> so I start buying, we call them impressions. I started out of something very relevant to, to the Georgia and the Southeast uh American region, which is, of course, World War II British Airborne. (laughs) 
Scots. That's right. World War II, British, British Airborne, Airborne, because, of course, you are in the South I'm in the of South. the United States. So I do that one, and then, of course, you know, I get the, the obligatory Confederate, and then I start working on World War II U.S. Navy, because, right. and a lot of different things, and you just start accumulating these different kits. Right, right. And so that's really how I got into it. And again, you know, Myers and, and, and Chris Brooks of the Atlanta History Center really taught me how to, right. how to do a lot of that. And then I, I realized that they needed more of this at the History Center. They were trying to get into it. And so... My old joust buddy <laughs> happened to be looking for something, and then and uh, there's me. Yes, and there's Ken. That's how I'm going to enter into the picture. <laughs> so here's yeah, here's the thing. I uh, you know like Glenn at a young age, always loved history. Uh, once again, you know I like that you, you tell you that your mom never denied you a book because one of the earliest sets of books that my two brothers and I had was uh, the children's bookshelf library, and it was a set of twenty books, each one with a different. You know, games to play indoors on a rainy day, Greek mythology. But one of the volumes is also a volume of history. And so I'm reading, this, you know, this, and I'm six and seven years old right. when I start reading this stuff. So I'm reading, you know, history along with Greek mythology and Grimm's fairy tales and folk tales. And it's just to me, they're all stories. It's just history happened to be true stories, but it's still stories. So my, my, my earliest perspectives on history and why I've always enjoyed it is because it's stories. Stories about people doing things. Well, Yay. That's always going to be interesting. So history is interesting. It's not dry dates and facts, you know, that sort of thing. It's, it's stories. So, and also like yourself, you know, the, 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 the history movies I would see. And I know this is one that we've both watched probably on a Saturday, you know, when they're showing these things. Battle of the Bulge. Oh. <laughs> That's one of, we're going to have to do a podcast on that movie and how horrible it is and how glorious it <laughs> is. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so I, I, I too had always had an interest in history. Now, I went to college, and my majors were theater and English. So naturally, I went into museum work. All I knew was that, you know, I wanted to be an actor and that I wanted to do projects that had something to do with history whenever I could because I loved history. So that's, you know, and, and I loved Shakespeare. I actually kind of specialized in Shakespeare within my theater major. And, you know, there's ample room for history. As a matter of fact, there's a genre called the history plays. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, so that's how I got into things. So, you know, I, I worked my merry way for quite a while uh, as a theater person, uh, independent contractor, actor, and, you know, writer and director whenever I could. Uh, but one of my first paying gigs, early paying gigs, was working the Georgia Renaissance Festival. Now, this was a... This was the first year of the festival, 1986. That's right. During uh, the actual renaissance. During the actual renaissance. So, you know, so I started working there, and uh, it worked there a couple of years, and they decided to add a joust. And uh, God, I forget how, for whatever reason, I was in with the director of the festival that time, and he knew I did sword play. So he said, and he said, hey, do you, do you, do you ride horses? And I was like, yeah, I've been riding since I was a kid. And so he said, well, we, we're, we're going to start a joust this year at the festival. We got a guy coming down from Minnesota to do it. Uh, Chris Poor, Arms and Armor. He's got another guy, Dave Hansen, that works his apprentice. Has done some jousting with him. You know, at that point, you know, David had done one joust season with Chris right. up there. We were just all just babies. We had no idea what we were doing. Uh, so they come down, and I met them, and I was going to do the joust, and you know, we started rehearsing and putting things together, and it rapidly became clear that Chris Poor was not the best person to have in charge of putting a joust together. <laughs> and, and I said, you know what? I think I'm going to focus on the idiot theater you want me to do. 
How is that different from jousting, you may ask? Idiocy? <laughs> not, it's not much That's difference. It. Just the horse. Take the horse out. Anyway, uh, so I didn't joust that year, but then I did like the next year or so, I think this when I actually joined the joust. So I jousted a, a few years before I ever met Glenn. I went away and did other things. Toured with the rock band, you know, North America and Europe. That was a lot of fun. Came back. And uh, and started doing the joust again as the herald and uh, and Glenn was this I think you had just finished your your Berman thing and had just graduated I think you had just started at the History Center in '97 yeah. yes because yeah, exactly late. so 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 and so Glenn actually wasn't on the joust team that year but he came down and visited one day and it was like during the middle of rehearsal this is turning into how. Ken and Glenn met show. So we're doing some show, and I, we're doing the rehearsal, and I'm doing the Herald thing. And you'd come in. You were you were writing for someone who couldn't be there that day, just as a lark. Yeah. And and uh, and so whatever comedy line I had, <laughs> they said, they said, all right, now Glenn hasn't been rehearsing the script, but go ahead and do your comedy line and see what happens. Because this, this is what Dave just loved it that we all had the same sense of humor. So I said, okay. So I said whatever crazy line I had, and Glenn gave the response line. He's but he kind of. Oh, I know what it was. It was like, how dare you draw your sword or how dare you insult the queen before the king? And you went, it was his turn? <laughs> and, and, and that was, you know, what the line was. And so we, we instantly knew that we had an affinity. Um, but so, so that's when I actually met you. And then the next year, the next season, you and I actually jousted. Yes. And then so that went on for a while. So it was the end of, I guess it was. The best I, of friends hit each other with sticks. We hit each other sticks, exactly. <laughs> But I think it was that final, yeah, it was 2001, the, the actual final Knights of Pendragon Joust. It was over the course of that summer. You know, we were, I come up to visit you in Pris, and you said, well, you know, they're hiring at the, the Atlanta History Center. It's, it's like museum educator. You dress up, you know, like someone from the past and educate the public. I was like, you're just now telling me this? <laughs> Four years ago, I could have known this. I wouldn't be destitute and living in my car, which I wasn't, but I, you know. It's a good story. It's a great story. History of stories. History of stories. So anyway, when the lie, be- when, the, when the legend becomes fact, print the legend. Uh, <laughs> when the, in my case, when the lie becomes fact, print the lie. Anyway, so I did. I applied. And, I, and, and obviously, Ellen Morota, God bless her, who's the manager of the education department, you know, at that point was like, yes, please come do the things. And, and like yourself, it was an environment where Ellen let me go beyond what the job description right. was. You know, I said, look, you know, I've got this museum, this museum experience. What if we did a thing where we and then whatever that and she says, yes, do it. And and so the museum theater stuff that I inadvertently started doing, not realizing that was what the genre was called. I was just doing theater at a museum. Oh, it's called a thing. It's museum right. theater. Well, that makes sense. It caught on very well and was very successful there at the Atlanta History Center. And then I moved on to from from there to a place in Florida, then Colonial Williamsburg. And, and really, within five years of you suggesting, hey, apply for this museum theater job, I was the director of museum theater at Mount Vernon. You know, not not mad. Not, right, not because your <clears throat> your crazy background surprisingly perfectly <laughs> prepared perfectly you prepared, for museum exactly. theater. This vi- diverse thing of, you know, all these different skills came into play. And that's actually something, you know, circling back to interns asking. You, you will be surprised where your skill set can lead you. You'll be surprised where your major can lead you. Let them know you've got the diverse skill set. Volunteer the information. Push the envelope. See where it will go. You know, and if it gets you fired, well, that's, that's the way it goes. No, no, I'm kidding. Uh, but, but you, no, but generally institutions will be happy that you can do more. And if the more that you're offering to do is the thing that you like doing, you're winning. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you and know? I, cause I can tell you this, the museums are always looking for something that will help them achieve their mission better. 
Exactly. Which is why if you if you stretch that envelope and show them your skill set, it may not it may they may be aware of it, they may not be aware of it, but they'll go aha. Right. How can right. you know? How can we leverage this for the cause of the museum? Exactly. And and that was the beauty. You know, Ken and I had worked together and had the Jast background, and he had gone into Colonial Williamsburg and Mount Vernon, and I had come up here to Gainesville, and then we opened up a job for educator. And again, I hate to say it, I kind of never thought of Ken because he, <laughs> he had another job. Right. And, and I, I did not dream that he would be interested <laughs> in this. And yet, when it came out, he's like, hey, so... Can I so, take a pay cut and come work for you? Yeah, that, that, <laughs> I hear that well, job's but, open. Right, and well, I'm but, like, are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. What? He, believe me, he was very, very much... You know. But but so, the, the Mount Vernon, you know, I was not at Mount Vernon when this came open because right. like, like here's where the we're going to be circling back to being laid off theme comes in because you know I was at Mount Vernon uh, you know during the economic woes and recession of the 2008-2009 and uh, 50 people including myself got laid off see that's crazy 50 people yeah. got laid off that's how big is your staff to begin with right so the difference between working at a small place and a big place is is crazy sometimes but yeah so I got laid off and uh, but you know a lot of the skills that I had picked up well, like at, at Williamsburg, I, I only worked there a short time before going up to Mount Vernon. But, you know, at Williamsburg, uh, some of the people that directed their Emmy Award winning electronic field trip series had seen me do things and asked if I did film work. And I said, yeah. And so they kept employing me even after I was gone. Right. They, for 10 years, they would have me come back and do things. Uh, so once again, you know, that skill set is, is broad and can be elastic. But I went down after that. I got a job. Not I was laid off for a while. I was but I got something fairly quickly at the National Civil War Naval Museum as a director of programs and education and then became the executive director. And that's why Glenn was just stupefied. You're an executive director now at, well, at a National Civil War Naval Museum. You want to come? And I was like, but but here's the thing. And this is this is Glenn's lament. <laughs> is when you become an executive director of, a, of, a, of an institution, you don't get to have do the fun stuff as much anymore. No, you do not. You get to... You get to have a lot of meetings about numbers, and you get to have a lot of meetings about fundraising, uh, and, and and then when I started thinking about you, why you would be interested in that job, I was like, oh yeah, yeah. I, would, I would do the same thing. Exactly. Actually, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you know, you're you're as you've said many times, your heart is God. I wish they would hire someone to do my job and let me be the exhibit person, the, the yeah. curator. <laughs> let me do the thing that I, you know, so, so that's another thing when you're talking about these types of jobs is, you know, you've, you, and this, I guess this is just good life advice for anyone. Do what you want to do. You can when make you it can, happen. But you, but you can make it happen. Exactly. Cause even within the rubric of we've been hired to do jobs that weren't necessarily what we wanted to do, but we kind of made them what right. we wanted to do. Right. You can do that. Uh, and, and you know, part of, Part of coming up here too, Glenn, was I was, you know, at a Civil War museum during the sesquicentennial, during the 150th anniversary of the Civil War. I got mighty tired of saying yeah. the same thing over right. and over and fighting the same fights over and over and disabusing people or attempting to of the same flat out wrong things over and over. I got I got tired of fighting the Civil War. Over yeah. and over. And since we have a broader mission, you can discuss people of everything. Well, no, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, exactly. But that's but that's the great point is, you know, that's another thing. Like, you know, when we talk about getting into this crazy business and, and where you're going to work, take a good look at what does the museum or historic site or historic house interpret that you that you want to go to. I mean, if you if you love, you just love the D-Day experience 
don't go work at Colonial Williamsburg. Go to the D-Day Museum. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Or, or or set yourself up with a plan that says, to, I will right. eventually get there. Right, right. I live in Virginia. Right. I need the experience. I'll work at Colonial Williamsburg. Right. But I'm going and to get to know the people at the D-Day exactly, Museum. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, being able to make that transition to here, and like you say, where there's a, a wider time frame, even in the five years, and we're coming up on my fifth year anniversary, yeah. that I've been here, we've expanded the timeline even further than, than when it was right, when absolutely. I first got here. Yeah. And, and and because you've been able to change some aspects of the mission and we've been able to be to, 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 to look at what is our educational miss, mission and realize that it can be wider even we're, we're meeting the, the needs of the community meeting the needs of the community exactly uh, basing things on what the teachers need and what we can provide them and so you know now i mean yeah, well this year we're, we're doing programming that goes from rome you know yeah up to the 20th century yay that's, we're doing 2000 year span of history that's that's pretty good Thank God we have the closets to support. <laughs> oh, my God, we need the closets. But, you know, we're also doing museum theater and living history and galleries and exhibits and things like podcasts and podcasts things, that run too like long. Webcasts yeah. and webcasts and webisodes, you know. Uh, so it's uh, that's this crazy biz yes. and how we got that's into right, it, folks. Another another quality ending segue. Bye. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Then Again with Ken and Glenn is a production of the Cottrell Digital Studio at the Northeast Georgia History Center. If you've enjoyed listening to Then Again with Ken and Glenn, please make sure that you subscribe and help us out by writing a review. To learn more about the Northeast Georgia History Center, visit www.negahc.org.